Our scripture today comes to us from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the first one, uh, chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. Now, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Well, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be here with you all today and to have the opportunity to learn together from God's word. I'm especially grateful for Jeff today for helping us figure out the microphone situation and just being in a new space and all the work that Jeff does in the back. I, we really appreciate him and his hard work. I can't clap too loud holding this one, but I was clapping too, Jeff. Um, I'm also just so grateful for the, the music here today. I feel like there have been three different sermons, one of which was from the Wesley Choir, and they basically stole my sermon, so, um, or maybe I stole theirs, but uh, yeah, it's just a joy to be able, they are singing the song of 1 Corinthians that we're going to be walking through together today, and I'm really excited about that. Um, about four or five years ago, I was in a coffee shop in Atlanta, and I was thinking about what I was going to order, and then I looked forward and I noticed they had not one tip jar near the cash register, but two. And this was a new concept to me. It's known as dueling tip jars. Has anyone ever seen dueling tip jars? Yeah, so instead of there being one tip jar that you're putting money in to thank the baristas and uh, help pay their wages, uh, there are two that have something that's kind of an argument back and forth. So one of these tip jars had Star Trek on it and a picture of Spock above it. And one of them had Star Wars with Luke Skywalker. And I thought to myself, well, that's really cool. That's creative. That's cute. And then that was until I saw someone pay for their coffee and bagel. And then they deliberately took their change and placed it in the Star Trek jar. <laughs> so naturally, I thought there had been some sort of mistake. I mean, they both start with star. And so maybe he got them confused. But then to my horror, he held up to the barista the Vulcan salute <laughs> and said, live long and prosper. And then even worse, the barista did it back, live long and prosper. And so I knew what I had to do. I was just prepared to take a fat bill 
and slam it in that Star Wars jar when I got up there. And so I reached the front of the line and the barista asked me what I wanted to order and I realized I hadn't thought about it at all. So I panicked and I got a small coffee, which isn't what I wanted, and then I just threw the change in there and I said, may the force be with you. <laughs> and then the barista just smiled and said, great choice, I love Star Wars, it's the best. And that moment was a sobering reminder that to me, there was a big conflict that I was a part of, but for the barista, the purpose of the tip jar never changed. She had in mind the purpose the whole time. And I was fascinated by this interaction. I looked it up and I found out baristas often make more money with these competing tip jars than they do with just one regular standard tip jar. And I've seen more of these since. Uh, I saw one bow ties versus neckties. That was an interesting one. Batman or Superman? It's intriguing. UGA or Georgia Tech? Which this year is like having one tip jar. Sorry, sorry Georgia Tech fans. But we get swept up in it, right? A little bit of conflict spices things up, we love it. We like to argue with people all in good fun and be around people that agree with us. And sometimes we even forget, like I did, the reason that we're giving the money in the first place. We're so caught up in winning that we forget that, oh, we're doing this to support the priestess. If you aren't careful, conflict has a way of doing that. It sweeps you up and the purpose is forgotten. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I've noticed some metaphorical tip jars on the counter of the church. One is pew pads or no pew pads. I've seen that one before, and we'll see how that one goes by the turnout in the pew pads today. Another one is same pew for the rest of your life or pew migrant every Sunday. <laughs> and this one I almost hesitate to say because it's going to bring up some feelings. Screens in the sanctuary or not on your life. When we're surrounded by the prospect of change, we hold on to those things that, we, that are important to us, our opinions, and we sometimes forget the bigger picture, the purpose of what we're doing. And actually, we're not so different from the church in Corinth. Andrew set the stage for us last week, uh, talking to us about Corinth and setting the context, but I'll remind you of some things. Corinth was a port city, and it was on an isthmus, which is a really hard word to say. And it basically means a narrow strip of land with two big bodies of water on either side. And they had this way of taking boats on one side and carting them across. And it would save these boats weeks of travel. They wouldn't have to go around a big landmass. They could just cross over this little isthmus. And so everybody knew about Corinth and traveled through Corinth. And because so many people passed through, it was a very diverse city. A lot of people settled there. And because it was so diverse, that meant the church in Corinth was very diverse. They had rich, poor, Jew and Greek, slave and free, all worshiping together under one roof with lots of opinions. And people had their friendly little conflicts, their team disagreements, but most of the time it was just kind of banter. It was all in good fun because Paul was there and he was shepherding the group. And if things ever got rough, Paul could shepherd people back and answer questions and keep the unity and remind people what they were doing. But then something changed. Paul had to continue his ministry somewhere else. And so he left the church in Corinth and the people there started to do what we do naturally, which is to break off into teams, our tribes. 
I'm team Paul, one person said. He was here. He started this church. Paul knows his stuff. He loves us. We need to follow Paul. Someone else said, Paul's all right, but have you heard this new guy, Apollos, speak? I mean, that guy can preach. And Paul's, Paul's an okay preacher, but Apollos knows what he's doing. I like him a lot. And then a third voice chimes in. You guys don't know what you're talking about. Peter is the rock, the rock of the church. Why don't you read a book sometime? Read some of his stuff. I'm team Peter. Divisions spring up in the church. Tip jars are on the counter. Which side are you on? Team Paul, Team Apollos, Team Peter. The church has become a bunch of special interest groups that don't want to speak to each other. But Paul hears about this and he wants the opposite. And so he writes this letter. I'm going to make it really easy for you today. I'm going to tell you right now what the main point of Paul's entire letter is, the main point of this sermon. And it's actually right there in your bulletin. If you have a pen, why don't you take it out and you can underline it. And if not, read it along with me. It's the very first sentence of our scripture reading today. Paul says, Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be knit together in the same mind and the same purpose. Another translation puts it this way. Don't be divided into rival groups. Instead, be restored with the same mind and the same purpose. It's amazing to me that 2,000 years apart, our context, the church in Corinth and the church today are so similar. A lot has changed, but a lot has stayed the same. It's no secret that our context in the United States is rife with division in our nation, in our politics, in the church. And here's the thing. If we aren't careful, those opinions, those arguments, those teams, those tribes can take the place of Jesus in our lives. Now, what do I mean by that? What does that look like? I'll give a couple examples from the past few decades. On September 11, 2001, there was a terrorist attack that shook our nation that destroyed the World Trade Center. Our nation, and specifically the city of New York City, was reeling and trying to make sense of this. And they held an ecumenical prayer service in Yankee Stadium for the victims' families and for the community. All religious leaders were invited to come and pray for the healing of the city and of the nation. And so lots of pastors went, but one pastor returned to his congregation and received anonymous letters from his congregation criticizing what he had done, not because of what they were praying for, but because who he was praying with. Those churches. How could you pray next to someone who believed that? Those anonymous letters were about conflict and division, not purpose. Another more recent example, Andy Stanley, who's a pastor of North Point Community Church, was invited to do an interview on CNN in July of 2020 during the height of the COVID-19 shutdown. And Andy said yes, and he viewed this as an opportunity to tell people that might not normally hear about Jesus and about what his church was doing to try to love their neighbors during this pandemic. And he did the interview and he felt like it went well, but when he got back the next day, a longtime church member came into his office and told him, Andy, we're leaving the church because you were on CNN. Andy asked, did you watch the interview? And the man said, I didn't have to. I know what CNN is, and someone sent me an article about it. That's all I need to know. 
despite their history, despite their ministry together, despite their commonly stated purpose, things in that moment boiled down to one conflict. An issue was prioritized over the purpose of the church. Now, it's instinctual to do this. I catch myself doing it all the time, and sometimes I probably don't catch it. But as part of our human nature, it's easier to say that you are a part of Team Blank than it is to say we are a part of Team Jesus. <laughs> and it will always be easier to do that. Always. But our purpose is the same, to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has actually left us no other option. <laughs> there is no way to do that without being hand in hand with Christians who think differently than you and walk differently than you. And that's a difficult thing to say. It's even more difficult to do. So what is the good news? Well, here's the good news. Paul is not calling the church to have the same opinion. Paul is calling the church to have the same priority. Now, the word priority gets thrown around a lot nowadays, and it's come to mean something that's important. But the original meaning of that word priority is a lot more intense. It literally means coming prior to anything else. In the original use of the word, you would never say a priority. You would say the priority. <laughs> the number one focus for what we are doing, the lens through which we view every decision. When issues arise that divide the church, we are called to maintain one priority, which is the priority of being a Christian. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ through loving God and loving our neighbor. My opinions... My preferences, my team, my side of an argument, those are important, but they are never that important. They should never be the priority. John Wesley, who's the founder of the Methodist movement that eventually became our denomination, he preached a sermon on this topic called The Catholic Spirit, on what to do when you're relating to Christians with different opinions. And he said this, and I think it's the truth. He said, the biggest hindrance to those who love God is that we don't all think or walk alike. Amen, John. <laughs> but he also said that being together in holy love with other Christians boils down to one major question. Is the heart right? Is your heart right? Is my heart right? Is your heart right with God? Is God your priority? Are you filled with God's love, doing the will of the one who sent you? Do you serve God with fear and with joy? Do you love your neighbor? Do you show God's love to everyone by how you live? Do you do good to everyone you can? If you can answer that question with a yes, and I can answer that question with a yes, then give me your hand and we can walk together. John Wesley also says, hold your preferences, hold your opinions, and as a matter of fact, don't stop arguing for them, because they are important. <laughs> but never, never make them the priority. Our purpose, our priority is to be disciples, to make our hearts right with God, and to love our neighbor. And we can never settle for less. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for your continued presence with us, for the diversity of the church, 
for the ways that we have blind spots and we can cover each other's blind spots, God. For your call to bring us all together to follow one Jesus. Give us guidance, God. Show us how to do that as one body. Lord, continue to guide us with your Holy Spirit in your church. Amen.